Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Prepare. Um, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you because even as we gather around your word, um, we declare and we pray that everyone is blessed, edified, strengthened, and encouraged through the teaching of your word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Um, so I think first of all, I would want to thank the leadership of the house and person of Pastor Tami um, and the pastorate, as well as the leadership of the Hopes team, uh, Pastor Michael and, and the team for putting this together. Um, and giving me this opportunity, or giving me the opportunity and privilege to bring God, God's word to God's people this evening. It's not one I take for granted. It's <laughs> um, especially with today's format, I'll tell I'm, I'm a bit more nervous than usual, but God, God will help. God will help us this evening. Let's, let's see what God will do. Um, and I also want to thank um, them again. That is Pastor Dami and Pastor Michael for laying um for a certain precedents for laying the groundwork um because it's from what they have done that we will take um some of our, our topic of discourse this evening uh thank you very much sir uh, pastor damian thank you very much pastor michael um please if at <laughs> i trust please if at any point in time you stop hearing me do let me know so i do not go too far all right, um, and so this evening, as we jump into the topic uh, for this particular evening, uh, I think to, um, as usual, I would be using, um, I'll, I'll be having some help um, from slides um, just to guide the conversation and, and keep things interesting. So as, as we go along, I will drop pictures of said slides. All right. Um, so this evening we would be talking about the fifth column this evening's session is one that um has been termed the fifth the fifth column now what what is the fifth column you may ask but let's let's get ahead of ourselves um so jala did a quick recap of the very first two sessions um and i think i'll just want to highlight so as not to belabor the matter i just want to highlight a few things from from their session which um, stood out for me and which is what, or some certain points that would be laying the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about this this evening. Um, so in Pasadami's opening of this particular um, series, um, one of the things he mentioned clearly was that one of the purposes for this series is that um, we as believers are not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. Um, and not to be ignorant of the fact that there is a war going on in the first place. Um, and one of the key things Pastor Dami said during that session was that this war is one that we walked into. Like the war started before we were created, before we were born, before we got to this, to this earth. Um, but that is not an excuse for ignorance. Um, so we, we were, <laughs> I wouldn't want to say welcomed into the war, but the, the war preceded, predates us. Um, and that is for a number of reasons. Um, and 
he is i think it may be in it may be important to note early on that it's we're not at war with the devil or god is not at war with the devil it's the other way around so um it's always like oh god is doing his thing and the devil is up and about yeah um so technically speaking we're not the hmm were not the I've forgotten the term they use, but the people who like leave their own homes to go out looking for that war. While the people in we have the goods and the devil is the one attacking us. I mean, he has already been defeated. Our purpose or our our place is to is to enforce the kingdom of God on on the earth. Yeah. All right. And then quickly running to uh Pastor Michael's session. I think one of the really key things that stood out for me, um from his session was that this this war we're fighting this fight that we're fighting is the fight of faith we're not warring against flesh and blood um but it's a fight of faith that is the good fight the good fight is the fight of faith yeah all right so moving on please give me a second my wi-fi went out i just need to reconnect to But yeah, the, the good the good fight of it. So today, um, we're going to start today's session with a story or a parable of sorts. Um, I think someone had asked earlier on um, as to why, um, as to the correctness. I think that's that's the question. As to the correctness of um, people who are teaching using stories, popular things that happen, uh, maybe um, like modern occurrences as part of their teachings. Um, and I think my answer for that, it would be that, I mean, when Jesus taught spiritual truths, he did so through stories, through parables and things that uh, people could relate to, as opposed to, um, so I, he, he used stories and parables to, to speak to scripture, scripture, spiritual truths and bring out scripture, yeah? So this evening we're going to start with, um, with a little story. Um, and it is the story of Troy or the Battle of Troy. I don't know how many of us are familiar with that particular Battle of Troy. I don't know how many of us saw the uh, saw the movie, the one with um, Brad Pitt. I mean, back in the day, it was it was a hit. Anyway, so so I was to be little bit and quickly move on. Yeah. So for those of us who are not familiar with the story of Troy, it's um, it wasn't it's not exactly a real story. I don't think it happened per se. I think it's from Greek mythology, and then there is a bit of um, story writing and or fictional writing in, in form of a poem. Um, but the whole the gist of the story of Troy is that there was a guy um, known as Achilles. Well, okay, two people were fighting anyway, um, and the or two 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 factions were at war and this war went on the gods or the Greek gods as it were in this story were involved um, and because of the forces on both sides this war went on and on and on without relenting so it was a siege I think um, according to to the story the way it is told um, the siege lasted for about I think nine days or four nights and something anyway but how did this how did this battle end yeah and how it ended was that the attacking forces, um, they, after, I mean, besieging this city 
for nights on end without any significant way into the city because i mean the city had walls they one morning left a horse a wooden horse in front of the city packed up their bags and sailed back home and well sailed back home yeah so like you know typically when you're besieging a city you set up camp outside and um and then they would attack from there but this this particular morning they left a wooden horse in front of the city packed up their bags and sailed out so the guys in the city the name of the city is troy so the guys in the city woke up that morning saw that the um so that the guys had gone they saw the embers of where the camp was like they had put out the fires they had sailed away and then they saw this wooden horse in front of their city and so of course the battle is over so they rejoiced um and then they brought the horse the wooden horse into their city so they, they assumed the horse to be a gift yeah but i mean the battle is over they won they rejoiced they brought the horse into the city and then that night they had celebrations it was a party because i mean they just won a battle they got a souvenir as part of that battle or as, as a result of that battle and yeah they drinking having fun pretty much because they won the battle yeah and then that night um unknown to them there were soldiers in the wooden horse so it was a trick so the attacking company had placed the soldiers in the wooden horse and then pretended to sail away so the soldiers in the wooden horse came out of the horse and of course they destroying and killing people and then those who seeming seemed to have sailed away at the time came back and that was how the city of troy was sacked um so now this horse is what was referred to as what is referred to as the trojan horse um the trojan horse has quite a number of thin, things around it um so i mean uh, or the concept of the trojan horse has quite a number of things around it for one it would be the environmental factor the fact that it it came out of some something like it came out of an experience that seemed as though they were winning i mean like the soldiers had retreated so the the environment said or the environment around the trojan horse said you have won so to speak then there is the fact of the trojan horse itself that is has a it has an innocence in its appearance and presentation or it looks like oh you've won the environment saying you've won the trojan horse is there it's like a gift um and then the funny thing is with the trojan horses that there was a debate well in the in the real story or in the original text there was a debate around what to do with the horse some people said let's throw this horse um from a cliff um some people said let's bring it in some people said a number of things but they didn't give too much thought to it. So if, if you read the original Greek mythology, actually the person who was saying they shouldn't bring it in was blessed with um was blessed with foresight, but also cursed with the fact that people wouldn't take her seriously. Anyway, they brought the Trojan horse in because it seemed it looked innocent and the environment um alluded to it being a good thing, so to speak. Yeah? Um, and the concept of Trojan horse is something that is actually still in practice and it is based on a fundamental flaw. The fundamental flaw in being that humans by default tend to judge things by what they see. Yeah. 
Um, and this concept is still something that is in practice with computer viruses. I'm, I'm sure we must be familiar with the, the term of, um, of uh, Trojan viruses, viruses that come packaged in files that look legit, but by the time you open it, you see something else, um, as well as drugs. So there are quite a number of drugs that, so see, for example, now Ampiclox, yeah, it's packaged in, in something neat, you know, that purple and black um, package. But then if you see what's, I don't know if anybody here has actually ever attempted to taste what's actually inside that pill. It tastes horrible. That, that's what I'm going to say. Um, but I mean, this principle is one that works and is one that's in practice. So what does this have to do with the fifth column? So a fifth column is any group of people when it comes to warfare. A fifth column is any group of people who undermine a larger group from within, uh, usually in favor of an enemy or group. Yeah. So a fifth column is basically those who are despise the um, those in, involved in sabotage. So they pretty much take out the country or the the entity they are trying to fight from the inside out, not from the outside in. And it's a really interesting concept um, because of Mark 7.15, yeah? Um, Mark 7.15 says, um, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. So I think this, this was, um, Jesus speaking, I think answering a group of people when they were talking about what to eat and what not to eat, pretty much. But the concept is that what goes into a man technically can't defile him, but what comes out of him can defile him. And I'm sure it's, and it makes sense. I mean, given the whole um, Battle of Troy, um, the Battle of Troy example and how that, um, and the whole concept of Trojan horses and how they actually work. Yeah. But here's now the tricky bit. Um, before we get to the tricky bit, it also makes sense in, in light of the fact that Proverbs 24 verse 10 says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So this scripture here is not speaking to, um, or is, is not speaking to the size or the weight or the, or how hard or how tough this adversity is. So it, it's more a question of your strength that it is a question of the adversity you're facing. Um, I will shed more light on, on this. Um, yes, I, I mean, this, this is pretty much saying that it's more a question of what you have inside of you than a question of what is outside and pressuring you, yeah? So not the things that enter a man that defile him, but the things that come out of him, yeah? Here's why it's tricky. It's tricky because, um, Proverbs 4.23 Proverbs says, God, your heart is all diligence, possibly flows all the issues of life. Yeah. Now, the root word for issues here now is what is called tutsa, which, which means source, like the source. So not necessarily the issues as far I'm having an issue, I'm having a challenge, or the woman with the issue of blood. Um, issues of life here is with respect to the source of life. So like it's where you live from, right? Um, and I mean, there, there, there are some examples. I, there, there are times I've had, um, well, there's a dream example. I'm sure a number of us can relate to how that 
there are certain dreams you've had um, that were a result of something that happened to you during the day or during the week or something or a conversation you had, yeah? Um, so dreams being one of the quote unquote issues of life, um, because what entered our hearts during the day did, we had said dreams pretty much, just trying to paint that dynamic, yeah? So it's now a question of, or so, so to, paint, to paint a cohesive story, yeah? It's what defiles a man is what comes out of him, yeah? It's more a question of what's in you than the adversity that you are facing. But at the same time, um, you need to guard what you let in into your heart because that is where stuff comes out of, yeah? It's like garbage in, garbage out. Okay, so if that is then the case, um, shouldn't it be, or the, the next, if it is then the case, how does it is somewhat cyclical, meaning it's what comes out of me that can defile me, but it's what I let get into me that would eventually come out of me. So shouldn't it be a case of, you know what, uh, we can then say run to, to the Lord's prayer, yeah? Lead us not into temptation. Let us not get into environments. Let's not, not let us not get into places where certain things get into us. Yeah. Well, not, not where certain things get to us. Where certain things can get into us. Like, let us not be exposed to these things. I mean, and, and it, it would make sense along the lines of the the prayer, the Lord's prayer. Yeah. But as usual, I, I would have to think. Okay. I mean, there is Job. There is Jesus himself who said the Lord's Prayer. I mean, he was led into temptation by the Holy Spirit. Um, that was right after his baptism. Um, so there's Job, there's Jesus, there's Paul. And there are myriad of scriptures around that speak to temptation. So we kind of need to balance out um, guarding our hearts and avoiding temptation as it would be. First uh, Peter 1 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Pretty much first first Peter 1 7 is saying that the, there is a purpose to the trial of faith. Um so yeah, I skipped something earlier. So temptation there in, in the Lord's Prayer, the original text reads Perasmus which means an experiment, a trial, and an adversity, yeah, which is pretty much what we're talking about or what we've been talking about all the while, yeah? But um, then we, we come down to, to first Peter when I say that the trial of your faith, the trial of your faith, that the temptation, so, so to speak, that you're being passed through might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, yeah? So there is a purpose to trials and temptation. Here is the... Um, what I see calming side of this conversation is that First Corinthians ten thirteen says, "But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're going." Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. So the candy story. Um. Yeah. So I was talking about. In case I didn't finish, yeah. Just to reiterate. Um. How that a, a mom would, if she knows that her her child has something for candy and she's in the mall trying to get something, she would not pass through the aisle that has the candy or has the candy so that it doesn't get out of hand. The child doesn't start crying, start wailing and all of that. 
Um, but then at a certain stage in the child's growth and progression, the mom would take the child through that candy because she be, or through the candy aisle because she believes that he or she has gotten to the point where he or she can have a level of self-control and be able to pass through that temptation. Yeah. So I say that to say that temptations and trials, the trials of our faith are God-controlled experiments unto praise, honor, and glory. Yeah. So there are, God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. Um, and the point of this temptation, the point of the trial of our faith is that we, we might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the, at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Great. So I guess we're all up to speed now. So we can move, we can move, we can move. So as a recap, um, again, just to be sure that we're all on the same page, we started um, with the Trojan horse or the story of Troy and the Trojan horse and how that is what comes out of a man. Um, but then what comes out of a man is depending on what he lets into his heart. So God, you have to all diligence, um, garbage in, garbage out, pretty much. Yeah. So you may ask, what do you have that the enemy could be after? What is being proven? What is the point of this experiment? What is the point of this battle? What is the point of this trial? Um, and it would be interesting to note that the um, point of this trial is in the name. The answer is in the name. It is, as Pastor Mike put it last week, it is the good fight of faith. Um, and I know this text was taken, I think last week he took the text from um, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Um, which is uh, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So it is the good fight of faith, yeah? Um, Hebrews 10, 23 speaks to hold fast to that which, holding fast to that which we believe. So again, it's a thing of we have the goods um, and the enemy is the attacking force, yeah? Great. So if we have the goods, yeah? What is his quote-unquote Trojan horse. And amongst many things, one of those things is doubt. Yeah, um, It was through the course of study I found out that doubt is actually not the opposite of faith. Um, unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt and faith can coexist. Right, so I think I'm, I'm just going to read scripture so that it doesn't sound like I'm saying something that is that is um, <laughs> blasphemous. Yeah? So Matthew 21, 21, um, so we see, I think this was where, um, this, was, this was shortly after the, the whole thing with the fig tree, yeah? And in verse 21, it says, so Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I said, say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, technically speaking, meaning you can have faith and doubt, which is why there is that sentence and, or there's that, um, I've forgotten what the English term is, but I think Pastor Peace will be able to. There's something that puts the two of them together, yeah? If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done, yeah? Second scripture I'll, I'll reference for this would be James um, 1 6. Uh, this is where I think James was speaking to um, the double minded man. And he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, meaning it is possible for you to ask in faith with doubting. Yeah. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. 
So God has already given unto us a measure of faith. There is that which we believe. There is that which we are to hold fast unto. And there is that, we, and that is the fight that we are fighting. One of the Trojan horses or Trojan horse type things that, that the devil uses would be doubt. Yeah? Doubt being the Trojan horse, doubt being the fifth column. Bearing in mind, bearing in mind again the characteristics of the, of the Trojan horse. It appears innocent, um, the environment sort of agrees with it, um, and then there may there is usually debate around it. Yeah, it's what do we do with this? How do we interpret this? Yeah. Um, so we're going to on this note move into what I referred to as heart matters and subconscious psychology. Yeah. And this is based on uh, Romans 12 2. And the reason we're going into this is because doubt is a thing of the mind. It's something that goes on in your mind. It's not um it's not a would I say tangible thing. Yeah. Um so Romans 12 2 says do not be conformed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And Confront this speaks to the fact that there is an active pressure, yeah, to there is some pressure to fit into a mold or fit into a shape. Um, and the reason I'm dwelling on on this or on the mind is because the way the human mind works, the way the human mind is wired, there is um, an act, there's an active and continuous pattern recognition. That's how the human mind is wired. wired. So we see something, we see another thing again, there is that tendency to draw a pattern, like our, our minds are wired that way. Yeah? Um, and the interesting thing is that the devil knows, or to a certain extent, knows how to play on the mind. Genesis 3 verse 1 would tell us that now the devil was more subtle than any beast in the field. There was a way around which he spoke. There was a way around which he, he, he alluded to certain things that um well with subtlety Act 13 as well speaks to um i think um this was refers to i think the one who wanted to buy um uh, the gift of god and i think this was peter speaking saying oh full of subtlety and all mischief thou child of the devil meaning that subtlety is a thing of the devil yeah um so I, I may need to run quickly at this point so please bear with me so, you know, earlier on I spoke to the active and continuous pressure to be conformed into a certain mold. And this thing sort of starts by the time you are born. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we are all familiar with the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And also the scripture, train up a child or the yeah, scripture, train up a child in the way it should go. And when he is old, it will not depart. We usually um, quote that scripture in, positive, in a positive note or on positive terms without understanding that uh, it's sort of both ways yeah so if you train up a child in the wrong things it would be hard for him to depart when he's old same things the same way if you train up a child in the right things yeah so there are certain things that may have been ingrained um in in different parts of uh, different in in people over time based on where they grew up um their cultures their context and let me give you a typical example of how this plays out, yeah? I mean, there was a time there was the whole debate around, well, personally for me, it was the whole debate around um, good, bad versus cause and effect. And how that it leads us into a multi... Um, and how that good and bad is contextual, meaning something is good here, or, you know, typically, I think the, the thing that everybody will be familiar with would be one man's food and another man's poison, yeah? 
Um, and then it leads us to some sort of multiverse of madness where there are different definitions of good, different definitions of realities. Also, there's, oh, this is my reality, that, that is my reality. And how this plays out even in Christianity. But here's, um, here, here's a, a quick way out of this, yeah? The creator of a thing is the one that provides, or is the person who provides context to, for if that thing is good or bad. So take, for example, a gun. If I am inventing a gun and I want a gun to be able to shoot through 24 inches of wall, um, if by the time I test that gun, it doesn't shoot through 24 inches of wall, to me, that gun is bad. But if you're on the other side of the wall and you um, and the gun doesn't penetrate through your protection, to you, that gun is good. Like it's good for you, it's bad for me, typically. But the, really, the creator of that thing is who provides context for what is good and what is bad for that thing, where that thing is concerned. There's also the, the Viagra example, how that it was originally built um, for the purpose of hypertension. And then <laughs> it's a long story, but I won't get into it because of time. But you can look it up. It's, a really, it's really an interesting story as, as to how um, certain things could be bad defined as bad by one party but good to another yeah but then again what eventually became viagra was good as viagra to the creators right so to answer the whole question about um the whole um controversy about what is good and what is bad it's a very simple question who made you yeah who made you the person who made you is the person who states what is good and what is bad where you are concerned and not your upbringing not the culture you grew up in, not uh, what was defined as, or what is defined as right and wrong by the society, not what the environment is saying, not what appears to be innocent, but what your creator is saying. So say for example, um, I mean, Second Corinthians 5.17, um, we are a new creation. All things are passed away, pretty much, yeah? Uh, I think Galatians, Okay, no, it was still second five or six. Anyway, let's let's quickly run. Yeah. Now there there are there are a couple of people who may think, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, we grew up rudimentary. We woke up every morning to do Bible study. We by six a.m. we prayed for five hours a day. Um, here's what I'm going to say. One of the things that we find with how the human mind works is that there's this thing that's referred to as survivorship bias where you think your case is different so because you because you grow up in a certain way you think oh there are certain things that you cannot um, be susceptible to similar to how the um city of troy thought oh we've gone through this battle we've held our ground for these number of days they have left so we are not susceptible to an attack at this point in time. First Corinthians 10, 12 says, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Now the backstory, I wish I could read it in detail, but I mean, from First Corinthians 10 from verse one, speaks to our fathers and how um, that, he spoke to how the, the things they went through, how that they murmured, how that they tempted God, and how that these things were documented for our admonition that we do not fall same or do not fall to similar um similar errors yeah 
So, in conclusion, unlike the city of Troy, examine everything. Yeah, I think I'll I'll read First uh, Corinthians the text there. First Corinthians two fifteen. Um, for he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Yeah, I, I would want to maybe start from the beginning, but to give context, he was speaking to spiritual wisdom and speaking to so spiritual wisdom again, taking note of the fact that wisdom speaks to the right way of doing things or a superior way of doing things. Yeah. And how that, and in, in that conversation, it speaks to how that God has revealed these things to us, to his spirit. And even so, no one knows the, the things of God except, or the things of a man except the things that are in him. And moving down the line, we see that not in how, how the Holy Spirit teaches, yeah? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And then it also speaks to the natural man, how the natural man cannot receive the things of God for they are foolish to him. And then we get to verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. So in guarding your heart, being in being spiritual, you judge all things. You examine everything. So you examine that which is the arguments that are put in front of you, present continuous. And then you also examine your presumptions, your, your social conditioning, your prejudices, the things that you think may be right. Um, and to, to explain, yeah, if the city of Troy had examined the wooden box, they may have discovered that these guys or there, there was a fifth column in that box. But because they didn't pay attention to that, they let it in and then they fell because of what came out of them. Yeah. So we'll look at Second Corinthians 10, um, 4 to 5 in closing, which is um, one of the core core uh, bits of core text in this particular series because it speaks directly to spiritual warfare. One of the things, or the thing you see there is that, okay, you skip, you skip, you skip. Okay, sorry. I opened the wrong place. One second. Second Corinthians 10, four to five. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, so you examine arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So here's what you do with doubts. When you have doubts, you examine them. You examine them against the knowledge of God. You examine them against the knowledge of Christ. You pull down everything which does not agree. You do not let that in. You guard your heart. Um, I'll end with this quote from Pastor Dami. Your interpretation of an experience is as important, if not more important, as the experience itself. Meaning when you go through something, when something is presented to you, your examination and eventual interpretation of that thing is as important, if not more important than that experience itself. So in closing, do not be like the city of Troy, examine everything. As a spiritual man that you are, as a spiritual man that we are, we are to judge everything against or in comparison to the knowledge of God, in comparison to the knowledge of Christ. And it is our job to cast down, as they should have done with the Trojan horse, every thought that does not align. Yeah. So when you have doubts, 
you go for knowledge and you compare and contrast. Thank you guys for having me this evening. I believe that we have been blessed. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> What a word! For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.